Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. everyone it's time to escape the debate it's ham talk live episode number 233 news and views on fcc moves with cq magazine's editor rich moseson w2vu recorded live on thursday october 22nd 2020 i'm your host neil rapp WB9VPG, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight we're joined by Rich Moseson at W2VU, and we'll take your calls live a little later in the show. Last week here um, on Ham Talk Live, Bruce Horn, WA7B&M, was here to talk about the contest calendar. If you missed that show, just head on over to hamtalklive.com or your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And you can listen to that, and you can always catch the rebroadcast of Ham Talk Live over on WTWW, that's 5085 AM, 5.085, Saturday afternoons at about 3.30 PM Eastern Time. So uh, get your questions ready to go for Rich. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, You can give us a call after the interview at 859-982-7373. I'll give you the phone number again here in just a minute. You can also send us a question by Twitter. We're at HamTalkLive on Twitter. We'll be checking that throughout the evening. Uh, If you're on Spreaker, you can also uh, type in the comments if you're... uh, uh, logged in to Spreaker, you can do that. And uh, again, the telephone number is 859-982-7373. And we'll uh, take your questions and comments uh, for Rich. We also have a new feature on the show tonight that we'll have a little bit later. So we're excited for that. Uh, we'll take a listen to... Um, Rick Garrett, N9GSU, uh, he's got a, a weekly segment starting this week, so we'll take a listen to that uh, a little later on in the show, but I'll be back with Rich 
right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. Get out and be active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. Now shipping! The IC705 is the perfect QRP companion, as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package, covering HF 6, 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and only weighs 1 kilogram, or just over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band, IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz, and a large 4.3 inch color touch screen with live band scope and waterfall. The IC705 runs 5 watts with the battery BP272 and 10 watts with a power supply. Sideband, CW, AM, FM, and full D-Star functions are available. A micro USB connector, Bluetooth, and wireless LAN, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, a micro SD card slot, a speaker mic comes standard, and supports QRP operations. The perfect accessory for your IC705 is the optional backpack LC192. It has a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. What's that call sign again? WB9VPG. That's right, Delium 9 Bainte Pterodactyl Nat, right? Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Check out all the latest gear from ICOM at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Hamtalklive.com. Thanks to ICOM for sponsoring the show. And uh, with us tonight is Rich Moseson, W2VU, the editor of CQ Magazine and editorial director of CQ Communications Incorporated. He's been a ham since 1970. He served eight years as the section manager for the northern New Jersey section of the ARRL and former member and past chairman of the ARRL Public Relations Committee. He's been a CQ staffer since 1992 he was the founding editor of CQ VHF magazine, um, wrote and produced the seven introductory ham radio programs in the CQ video library, and was CQ magazine's 50th anniversary coordinator back in 1995. So, Rich, thanks for coming back on the show tonight. Oh, it's great to be here. <clears throat> I never thought I'd be uh, alternative programming to a presidential debate. But, uh... <laughs> We're, we're, we're competing with the big boys tonight. <laughs> I, I'm, no. I'm hoping there will be less fireworks here. <laughs> yes, there will be less fireworks here. I can guarantee that. I have I have the kill switch, so so uh, I, I can guarantee that one. Uh, I, I can't kill the other mics, but I, I can kill this one. So, uh, <laughs> we can definitely do that. And if we, if, if we show up in the Nielsen ratings, we're, we're doing well. So 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, uh, there's there's we're, we're trying not to not to get into the politics too much, but we are talking about government a lot tonight. Uh, there's been a lot of headlines coming out of the FCC lately, and so um, thought, okay, let's do a show about all the stuff going on um, with the FCC. And of course, the biggie uh, is this proposal uh, for a $50 fee for all amateur radio license applications, renewals, new tests, upgrades, the whole bit, $50 each time. The FCC says, well, it's an automated process, but it costs money for the servers, you know, uh, so a nominal fee, like, you know, $50 for every application is, is reasonable. And they've kind of been charged with doing this. So, so tell us a little more about the, you know, the details of that. And, um, we may get into even what some of your readers are having to say about it and, and what, uh, all kinds of people are having to say about it. Well, <clears throat> The proposal is is much broader than amateur radio, of course. It covers every service licensed by the FCC. And the changes are are coming about because of a law that was passed by Congress a few years ago called the Ray Baum Act. Um, But the purpose of the changes is to make the fees more reflective of the costs of processing the applications. Um, and the commission it has said itself in the NPRM that there's very little cost involved in processing most amateur applications. It's you know the on a, a new license application or an upgrade, all the work is done by the VECs. They file it electronically <clears throat> with the FCC in Gettysburg, and unless there's a red flag that pops up, that just automatically processes the license. Um, either an issuance or, or an upgrade or renewal, um, there's virtually no cost involved. They're not even mailing out printed licenses anymore. So it, it makes, you know, if this was a business, 50 bucks wouldn't be a big deal. And I think that's the perspective they're looking at it from because most of the other services that they license are businesses. So, you know, even a, a small station or two-way shop or something like that that has um like a gmrs license or something like that okay fifty dollars is not usually a big deal for a business and they can write it off their taxes and uh from a business perspective it's it's not a big deal and even from our own perspective hey they're going to say hey it's only five dollars a year which isn't shouldn't be a big deal, but of course you have to pay it all at once ten for ten years front. worth. Right. Yeah. Um, and fifty bucks can be an obstacle. I mean, right now you look at it right where we are right now. We we are in the, in the middle of a deep economic recession. Lots and lots of people are not working, um, and Every penny and every dollar is very important for basics. Um, 
We're trying to get more and more young people interested and involved in ham radio. And 50 bucks for a teenager is a big deal. A lot of our more active hams are senior citizens who may be on a, a fixed income, and 50 bucks is a big deal for them. And, and you have to, you know, look besides the, the money angle of it, particularly talking about senior citizens in, in the, this pandemic. I mean, ham radio has been a lifeline for lots and lots of people all over the country who have been isolated in their homes. You know, if they, particularly if they're older, if they live alone, uh, so many clubs around the country have either started or expanded nets to basically operate on a daily basis to check in on some of their members who may not be able to get out at all and make sure everything's okay. And uh, having that license and keeping that license is a very, very important thing for lots and lots of people. And it just seems like the totally wrong time to be imposing a fee like this. Um, you know, the, some people will say, well, there used to be a $70 fee for a vanity call. And that's absolutely correct. Um, but a vanity call was an option. If you didn't want to pay 70 bucks for the call, you keep your FCC issued random call and you still have your license. You're still on the air. And uh, you just uh, grumble about not being able to pick your own call sign. But this is, applies to everything, uh, except like an address change or something like that. New license application, um, renewals, um, upgrades, anything but the most minor administrative update. And if you look at it cost-wise, the most minor administrative update is going to incur the same amount of expense in terms of server usage as doing an upgrade, doing a renewal. So it makes no sense. Um, if they have to charge something, maybe they could, you know, do a dollar a year. And then you get a $10 fee. And that I think most people can probably handle once every 10 years. Um, that's my personal thought. Uh, obviously, the preference would be to continue to have no fees involved with our licenses. And, you know, in other countries, that's a fact of life. You know, you go to Europe and you have to pay a rather significant fee every year um, to have a ham license. But that has not been the tradition here. And the the timing is just all wrong. You, you asked uh, about reader comment. I've, I've had just one I got today in the mail. Um, from a gentleman in Texas, and uh, he's addressing this situation. He says, uh, with 770,000 hams in the USA, the FCC stands to make $38,500,000 in installments of $43,800 a year. Um, he says, you know, hams buy their own radio gear, pay the sales tax. They provide free emergency communications and disasters. They provide their own transportation to and from disaster areas. They provide their own food at disasters. Some hams rent motel rooms near disaster sites or sleep in an emergency shelter or bring their own RV and use it as a command center. Um, and his guesstimate is that 
this is going to probably have a, an impact on about 10% of the currently licensed hams, which he says, you know, if this goes into effect, in my estimation, 77,000 would-be hams just lost interest in ham radio. 77,000 renewals won't happen. 77,000 upgrades won't happen. 77,000 vanity call signs won't be applied for. 77,000 printed licenses won't be requested. 77,000 school-age kids won't get their license and goes on. Um, and he's absolutely right. Um, I, I don't know if the numbers are correct, but the, the impact is definitely he's, he's on the mark. It's going to have a, a significant impact on the our ability to keep growing. Um, we, we've been doing a, a great job of, of growing steadily over the past several years, and uh, we need to keep up that momentum. And uh, this is going to be a, a, a big roadblock in that way for all segments of our community, the, the young people, uh, people who are having economic problems, uh, people who are, are on a fixed income. It's going to be a really big deal to have to come up with 50 bucks. Um, and it's, it's not even necessarily just once every 10 years because you're talking about upgrades and renewals so you you know a vanity license call so if you get your license now and pay 50 bucks for it and then six months down the road you want to upgrade to general that's another 50 bucks and a year down the road you want to get your extra that's another 50 bucks and then you decide you want a vanity call and that's another 50 bucks so over the course of of two years it may cost you 200 dollars in license fees and yeah. that's really completely outrageous well, there's so many things coming into my mind right now. First of all, the the with my school background, you know, and and getting young people into ham radio, one of the things that I did a few years ago was I, I switched VECs over to the Laurel VEC program because we were able to give the tests for free because a lot of times, you know, the $14 it usually wasn't a problem for them to get it. It was a problem for them to remember to bring it. <laughs> and so uh, I, I admit that a few times uh, um, I, I, I switched hats and, and Mr. Rapp decided to, to pay the fee uh, because it, they they weren't, you know, they, they could get it, but they, they just weren't going to bring it. And, uh, they had to remember it, and I'd just rather do it than, than have to, uh, you know, remind them all the time. Now, don't forget to bring your money. Um, so, you know, if they didn't, it, it got paid um, out, out of Mr. Rapp's wallet. But, uh, you know, I, I know one of the things that people have talked about is, you know, maybe saying under the age of 26 – um, you know, exempt those, uh, from, from the fee. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I agree, you know, $50 for, for, a for a teenager is a, a lot, uh, let alone, a you know, elementary kid, uh, that, or a middle school kid that, that, you know, doesn't have a, a real income. And it, it, it does put some, some limitations there. I also think about, you know, the 
what, what you said with the vanity calls, and I couldn't agree more that, you know, you can still operate without a vanity call. And so if you want a vanity call, sure, pay the fee. But then, then I remember why they got rid of the vanity fee in the first place. They said it costs too much to process the $70 fee by the time they processed all the fees, it was, they weren't making any money off of it. So now they're going to make money off of a $50 fee. (laughs) Yeah. It's government logic for you. Um, but, uh, (laughs) you know, the most fearsome words in the English language, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Um, I, I will note that the comment period is open on this proceeding. Um, it's, uh, MD docket 20 dash two seven zero, I believe is the, uh, designator for it. Comment period is open. Um, I would encourage all of your listeners to uh, make reasonable, respectful comments, but explain why this would be a burden for you um, or for people you know. And uh, the the commission does listen to comments. They read them. The, the staff, at least, reads every comment that comes in, and it they do make a difference. Um, and uh, we are well known in the commission for being among the most vocal licensees that they deal with. Um, so we need to maintain our reputation, <laughs> be vocal, <laughs> file lots of comments, um, and but, but explain to them reasonably and rationally why this is a bad idea. And why the fee, if it if it can't be eliminated, should be reduced to the absolute minimum possible. Um, and there's fifty so, different directions this this has gone in in the preliminary comments. So uh, some people are saying, "Heck yeah, I'll pay it if you'll actually do some enforcement." And you know, and let's let's you know exempt the young people and let's exempt anybody, you know, over a certain age and, and let, let's, you know, let's just do the vanity calls. And and there's like 50 bazillion different directions that all of these things mm-hmm. are, are, are going. Oh, it's the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. uh, you know, but if, if in the comments, there's a, a clear consensus that develops for an alternative approach that will be noted by the staff and they will note it to the commissioners um, as they put together their, their final decision on it. So, you know, the process does work. Uh, you, you may not always get what you want. You may not get all of what you want, but they do read them. They do listen. They may not decide the way you want to, but uh, sometimes they do. Um, and particularly, you know, with amateur regulations, the we, we are kind of a community unto ourselves. It's not like broadcasters who are serving the general public. Um, our regulations affect us, and except for those that are intended to keep us from causing interference to other services. 
But as far as the regulations internal to ham radio, we're the only people affected by it. So the, the commission really wants amateurs to provide guidance and, and leadership to them on the direction that we want the regulations to go. Um, and I've, I've heard this from people at the commission in the past. And, uh, you know, they said, we don't want to be sitting up here in Washington and just telling you what to do because we think it's the best thing to do. Um, we want to hear how you want the service structured, how, how you want the requirements to be. And then it's our job to figure out how to make them fit in with the, the broader picture of licensing and regulation. Um, so I would encourage everyone to submit comments. You can do it electronically through the electronic comment filing system. It's really pretty easy. And uh, let the commission know that how you feel. And if you think that you know, there's a, a reasonable alternative that they should consider, offer it up as a suggestion. Uh, you, you never know when they might say, hey, you know, this could work. Yeah. So that's, well, we're, yeah, that, that's uh, all all good things. And, and there's some uh, strategy going on, too. We may talk about that a little bit later, but uh, we're, we're still on quite on topic number one. We haven't hit two, three, or four yet. So <laughs> we better move along here. Uh, we've got this other big thing from the FCC, not quite as big as this one, but it's still pretty big about losing spectrum. Um, they're going to sunset the secondary use of 3.3 to 3.5 gigahertz uh, to open up space for some new 5G, the, the fifth generation cell phone data uh, band here. Um, who is this going to impact and, and when is this going to take place and, and what are you hearing about the, uh, the, the loss of spectrum? Well, it's not going to impact enough of us and that's part of the problem. Um, because we're not making the use that we really need to be of our microwave bands. And I, I wrote an editorial about it uh, several months ago, uh, which I called the, the microwave or the gigahertz imperative. Um, and we really need to do more on the microwave bands. You know, we, we, we can't say we're afraid to use microwaves. I mean, I'm talking to you right now on a five gigahertz radio. Um, it's called my cell phone. And I'm using microwave communications to talk to the phone. I'm wearing wireless earbuds. And they're using Bluetooth, which operates in the microwave. So I'm, I'm sitting here and talking to you using two different sets of microwave frequencies and then saying, oh, well, uh, microwave radiation, oh, that's that's dangerous stuff. We can't be using microwaves. Um, excuse me, but I'll bet you are every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. And, you know, you, you've got a microwave transmitter that's on virtually all the time in your pocket. Um 
so it can't be not be you know being afraid of of microwaves um that's keeping us off the bands there um the antennas are not big they're small they're micro micro waves um you know, you're using a lot of dish antennas. Getting out and operating portable is getting to be very, very popular. Uh, look at, at summits on the air and parks on the air and islands on the air. All these ODA programs. Uh, we should probably have a MOTA program, microwaves in the air. <laughs> uh, get people out in the same places with, with a, a dish and uh, get on these microwave bands. You know, the, okay, you're not going to work worldwide DX direct on the gigahertz bands but we have satellites that operate on the gigahertz bands we have a thing called the moon that you can bounce signals off of on the microwave bands so you can work dx on microwaves um there's a satellite segment in the nine centimeter band the 3.3 to 3.5 gigahertz band that we're talking about here but as the fcc pointed out um, there are no active satellites in that <laughs> band at the moment. Um, there's lots of stuff you can do on the microwave bands that we need to start doing. Uh, we are supposed to be leaders in technology, and a lot of us are in our professional lives, but we have to do that in ham radio too, and we have to make much better use of, of these microwave bands broadly. So we've already lost 76 gigahertz for vehicular radar, um, 10 gigahertz, which is among the most active of the microwave ham bands, is uh, up for review at the next World Radio Communication Conference. Um, and 3.3 gigahertz here, we have, uh, we're in the process of losing it. Right now, what the services that we've got there, there's, there's a, several um, Mesh networks that are up and running on there and out in California, they're providing significant uh, backup communication service to people fighting the wildfires. Uh, there are ad hoc networks um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, digital amateur television that's going on there. So there is it is among the more active microwave bands, I would say probably the, the third most active uh, you've got uh you know 2.4 is easy um and we, but we still need to be making more use of it because it's shared with wi-fi so you have all these wi-fi modems out there that can be tweaked onto the ham frequencies and uh, do mesh networks and things like that and then you've got 10 gigahertz band or x band which is uh, growing in popularity and uh, you get to discover all sorts of very cool propagation on these bands, too. I think mean, one of the coolest things on 10 gigahertz is something called knife edge refraction. And you want to talk to somebody when you have a mountain in between you. Signals at 10 gigahertz will, can go over the top of a mountain and down. Uh, knife edge mm -hmm. diffraction, it's called. That's right. Um, Very cool. and these, these are things that you, you don't see on, on HF or even VHF, UHF, you can do rain scatter on 10 gigahertz. Your average raindrop is just the right size 
to absorb and re-radiate radio signals. So you can bounce signals off a thunderstorm. Uh, there's just so many cool things you can do up on the microwave bands that we need to do more of and, and have more fun and learn more about them. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do this for much longer on the nine centimeter band. Um, the FCC broke it down into two portions um, in the proceeding, uh, mostly because you know the Defense Department is the primary user of the band, and uh, there are certain uses that uh, the Defense Department is not ready to give up yet, and they're still working out plans. Um, we've got. I'm just looking at our news bites. Uh, column in our November issue is, is uh, focused on the sunset of this band. I'm just looking for the details on there. Um, and uh, so I'm just reading the, the process of making the nine centimeter band available for 5G use will take several years. And the FCC has yet to reach an agreement with the Department of Defense on relocating its operations from half the band. So the proceeding has essentially been split into two parts. Sorry. And while the formal removal of the amateur allocation from the band <clears throat> will happen 30 days after the report and order is published in the Federal Register, which I believe it already has been, current users will be permitted to continue operating for quite a while. The so-called sunset dates for amateur operation will be determined in a future FCC proceeding. The first portion of the band we're going to lose is the top of the band, 3.4 to 3.5 gigahertz, which we will need to vacate by the time the FCC begins licensing companies for 5G operations in that band segment. It's expected this is going to be sometime in the middle of 2022. So we've got just about two years of usage left on there. It's unclear whether new operations will be permitted you know it's very obviously very difficult to enforce this it's not like we're licensed to a specific frequency in a specific location so i don't know how they would know whether a new user is on the band or not but the lower band segment from 3.3 to 3.4 gigahertz will be closed to hams when and if licensing begins for commercial users in that segment. Um, the time frame for this is not known because the FCC is still negotiating with the Defense Department on uh, relocating its operations from those portions of the band. Um, and nobody knows yet when or whether they will reach agreement on it. And, uh, you know... Defense Department is not easily thrown off of <laughs> radio spectrum. Um, so if it comes down to them eventually saying, nope, we can't do this, uh, we're going to stay here, then they're going to stay there. And uh, we'll see what happens with the secondary amateur allocation. I mean, this is, is an area that the ARRL really went to the mat with the commission on and trying to maintain our current secondary status there. Um, we've been operating 
as secondary users on a non-interference basis with the primary users who are defense department users for years and years without problems. There, there are virtually no reports of interference issues or anything like that. There has been basically full cooperation and full compliance with the secondary um, allocation and not causing interference and accepting interference from the primary user. So they, the ARRL really went to bat for holding on to this ban and maintaining our secondary status in to be able to go in between the 5G uses and things like that and continue doing what we're doing. But the commission uh, didn't want to hear about it. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, well, it is. Well, also in other news, the FCC uh, literally made a move uh, with their headquarters in Washington, D.C. Uh, they're now at 45 L Street Northeast. Uh, Washington, D.C., 20554, and they also implemented a new logo. Um, so you can, you can check that out if you're, if you're interested in the new logo, but we are behind. So we're going to take a break and we'll come back. We'll talk about, uh, some more of this and maybe some CQ worldwide and some other things. And, uh, we'll unveil the new, uh, segment here after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thanks for choosing Tower Electronics. How may we help you today? We have PL259s. We have in connectors. We have SMA adapters. We have BNC adapters. What can I show you today? Where's the tower? Well, we don't actually have a tower with us, but we have all kinds of things you can use with a tower. We have power poles, antennas, soldering irons and meters. Where's the tower? <laughs> Ma'am, that's the name of our company. We can't haul towers to all the ham fest across the country that we visit, but we have almost every connector and adapter you would need to connect your antenna that's on your tower. I don't think there's a tower back there. I really don't. Tower Electronics. Visit us at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or see our whole catalog at pl-259.com. Sorry, one thing we don't have is a tower. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Oh, yeah. You're talking ham radio, baby. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring this show tonight to help bring you Ham Talk Live. Tower Electronics will be down the road from me, Bedford, Indiana, November 7th, and then Fort Walton Beach, Florida, the Ham Fest there, November 13th and 14th, COVID permitting, of course. 
But you can catch them anytime at pl-259.com. And you can catch Ham Talk Live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, we've got a new segment of the show this week. Uh, uh, N9GSU, Rick Garrett uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana, is uh, kind enough to uh, to humor me. And, um, and we came up with this new segment. So... Uh, here we go with the debut uh, of the N9GSU Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. I was at the Hamfest the other day and I saw a radio for sale for only a dollar, but the volume was stuck on full blast. I thought to myself, I can't turn that down. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in 9 GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Well, there you go. <laughs> I can't turn that down. All right. Well, it's time for your calls. So, yeah, <laughs> I had you turned off. You'll have to say it again. I said he's twisted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's time for your calls. If you have a question or comment for Rich, give us a call 859-982-7373 or tweet us at Amtalk Live. If you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition, uh, we're not here. It's it's Thursday night. Uh, the debate's going on, and, and we're, uh, we're we're escaping it. So uh, let's see here. We've got uh, we've got several things going on. First of all, Trip K five TRP says uh, Rich has been on a podcast roll this week. So so you're you're making the rounds here. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know why. I don't know what happened, but suddenly. Uh... I was on uh, Ham Nation last night. I thought it was supposed to be next week, um, but I got a note from Bob at about 6 o'clock saying, we're ready for you. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, and, of course, I, I do a, a regular uh, segment uh, once a month on uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable about uh, what's coming up in the next issue. And I'm doing two of them this month because uh, – on September 29th, which was the day I was supposed to do it, that was the first debate, and, the, and uh, Tom canceled the show that night to not get in the way of the debate. Um, and then uh, he had uh, streaming difficulties the following week, so that didn't happen, and I finally got on last week. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of bouncing around the podcast this month. <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting your time in here. Well, Brett WY7BG says uh, the current FCC seems bound to determine to do every possible favor for the uh, cellular triopoly, including booting others off of the spectrum. Do you believe that this move is part uh, and parcel of this? The scourging ham radio is an excuse to repurpose the spectrum. Uh, with the uh, you know the license fees and 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 
the spectrum loss? Well, both of these are the direct result of legislation passed by Congress. Um, there was the, you know, the um, Ray Baum Act is the law that's regarding the fees and uh, the 5G. I forget the name of the law. Let me see if it's in my uh, notes here. I think it's like the, called the Mobile Now Act or something like that. Um, basically, Congress directed the FCC to make available contiguous spectrum between um, 3.3 to 3.55 gigahertz to uh, make it available for 5G services nationwide so that uh, the companies wouldn't have to be dealing with having – some segments available in this part of the country and not in that part of the country and, and having to shift things around. So I don't think that you can lay any blame on the commission itself uh, for this particular, these sets of actions. You can blame Congress if you'd like, uh, but these, these are, are both the direct result of laws passed by Congress directing the commission to clear the frequencies for 5G and to remake the fee structure. Um, So I I think that uh, the responsibility in this case is on Congress and not the commission. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's it. And I'm holding back my my comments about it. It's it's all about the dollar. But uh, let's see here. Jim, K5ND, (laughs) uh, says, Greatly appreciated Rich's recent column titled, The Young Ham's Crisis is Getting Old. I agree with his perspective and great quotes from 1938 and 1948. Well, thank you, Jim. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, as, as Neil knows, I am one of the biggest proponents of getting young people involved in amateur radio and recognizing those young hams who are doing great things. But the, you know, the people who are complaining now that we're not getting any young hams into the hobby are the same people who 30 years ago were young people not getting into the hobby. Um, because 30 years ago, the same complaints were being heard. And obviously 50 and 70 and 80 years ago, this is, is just seems to be as old as ham radio itself. The complaint that we're not getting any young people in somehow they managed to sneak in despite our best efforts. And, uh, <laughs> uh you know, I, I used to give a talk at club meetings back when there were club meetings um, called Ham Radio Successfully Dying for the Past 50 Years um, because we've been hearing the same stuff over and over again about how this is going to kill ham radio, that's going to kill ham radio, and ham radio just sucks it all up and churns it over and makes it part of ham radio. Um, but I have to expand that to now, you know, ham radio successfully dying for the past 80 years. Uh, (laughs) It's not to say that that we should not be actively encouraging young people 
to become hams, we absolutely should, and to get on the air and to get active and to remake ham radio in their image with our t- the new technology that's available to us. Um, but it's not the crisis that so many people make it out to be because if it was there would be no ham radio today and there wouldn't have been for the past 40, 50 years. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I was just looking at, at a, a article today that I think is going to be one of our CQ classics in November. It was talking about the number of hams at different points. Before World War One. there were 6,000 licensed amateurs in the United States. By the time World War II rolled around and ham radio got shut off again, there were 60,000 hams. And today there are 770,000. As I said, dying successfully yeah. for decades. Yeah. And our young people are, are there. Uh, they're growing. Um, and we're, we're doing everything we can to, to grow that. And, um, just on Newsline actually anchored it just a few hours ago, coming out tomorrow, there's a couple of, uh, good, uh, youth interest stories on Newsline. And, and one of them is, uh, one that I'm involved with and I have, uh, Bryant Rascal, uh, coordinating and that's, uh, December Yoda month, uh, where all these young hams get on and made over a hundred thousand contacts last December. And they're going to try to break that record again this December. So, uh, there, there's, there's, there's more out there now than when I was five years old and trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to navigate the ham bands, but, but, uh, it's, it's, it's growing and maybe not as fast as we'd like, but it's, but it is growing. Well, uh, thanks, Jim, for that. And I uh, think that's, uh, that's what we have so far tonight. Um, I know we were going to talk a little bit, and we're already over time. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about CQ Worldwide because that's this mm-hmm. weekend. That's the, that's the that's biggie. Right. So uh, what, are you, what are you over 22 hours from now and starting? Yeah. <laughs> So what are you expecting from CQ Worldwide in the middle of a pandemic? Well, it's been really amazing. You know, this is another example of how ham radio is really a wonderful thing for people. And it has been keeping those of us who are socially isolated, socially connected. Uh, We are very fortunate we have these radios that let us talk to people around the corner and around the world, even if we happen to be stuck in our homes or going out for very limited uh, excursions for like food and medicine. And, and that's about it. Um, and uh, one of the casualties of the pandemic has been a lot of de-expeditions and um trips to somewhat exotic places to operate. But a lot more people have been, since they've been home, without a whole lot of other stuff to do, they've been spending a lot more time on the radio. And we have had record participation in all of our contests so far this year. Um, 
and uh, shows no signs of slowing down. It's not just our contest, but every contest since March has had record participation. So we are expecting the CQ Worldwide this weekend to be part of that. We're not going to, there are going to be fewer multipliers to be had because uh, a lot of the people who normally go and, and activate uh, different islands and, and exotic places for the contest are not making the trip this year. Um, we're going to have a lot more competition in the single op categories. Um, we've seen some innovation in multi-op areas, though. Um, a lot of remote operation, a lot of uh, uh, hybrid. We're featuring that in our November issue also. Hybrid, remote, and local operation where you have a, a um, multi-multi station where you have one operator at the station physically controlling one radio and keeping an eye on the others while other operators are coming in remotely and operating from other locations. Um, our May issue featured on the cover uh, a totally remote multi-multi operation with, I think it was 10 or 12 operators all in different places um, operating remotely from a station in Maine, and I think they won. Um, so there's a lot of ham ingenuity going on, a lot of innovation, and a lot of activity, and that's really great. Yeah, that's some, some cool stuff, and I know there's uh, more and more of those uh, remotes popping up all the time, and, and they're going to be uh, useful this weekend. That's that's for sure. So make sure you uh, get a uh, get a chance, get on CQ Worldwide this weekend. It's a great opportunity to rack up some uh, DXCC uh, credits and uh, and get some countries and and uh, and have a fun time. So and the sun uh, is starting to wake up. So there's yeah, gonna be sun's DX. waking up. Yeah. So get in there and and give it a shot. It's it's on the way up. Well, we've got. All kinds of stuff that we 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 could talk about, but we're already over time, Rich. So uh, we're going to end it here. But I thank you so much for being on the show and talking about all this stuff. Uh, great stuff. My and, pleasure. Um, I know you've got a couple of books coming out uh, that you're working on over at CQ too. I'll give you like a, a minute here or two if you want to want to do something quick on those. Well, we're, we're in the editing process on them. Uh, one is a, a broad brush introduction to ham radio uh, written by uh, Eric Nichols, KL7AJ, who uh, some of you may be familiar with. He's uh, written a lot of AWRL books, and he's uh, one of our columnists, and he's, he has a, a really great way of, of just connecting with people and uh, talking about technology in non-technical terms so to, to bring people in and get them interested. And the other is a uh, complete update to our shortwave propagation handbook, which uh, is uh, quite long in the tooth by now. <laughs> and uh, there's been so much that has been learned over the course of the past cycle. Um, and in terms of new satellites and uh new data on propagation and solar activity. It's all being worked into to the revised version of the, this book. So hopefully both of them will be uh, available for Christmas 
and uh, they will be worth your while regardless of uh, when they're out there. All right, and let everybody know where they can find CQ and the books and all, all the information on all of that stuff, and a new calendar coming out here, too. That's right. The calendar is out. It's, I've got one sitting right in front of me here. I love it. Um, it's uh, all available at our website at www.cq-amateur-radio.com. Okay, and, there you uh, go. You can also uh, subscribe. All right, Rich. Well, thank you so much for being here, and we look forward to uh, more great things out of CQ Communications and, and CQ Magazine. Thanks for being here, as always, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Very good. Glad to join you. And uh, Perhaps the next time you're on every and, uh, other podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So hope to well, see a lot of your listeners on the air this weekend. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. So that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Rich Moseson, W2VU from CQ Communications, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in tonight. And invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, when we won't have the excuse of... of of getting away from the presidential debate uh, for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review that would help us out tremendously. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG saying seven, three, seven, five, and may the good DX be yours.